This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. With everything you need, all in one place, let me explain. Anchor has the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. We're going to get going here in just a second. I want to welcome everybody. Thank you all for joining us today. It is... Wednesday. It's Akuma Wednesday, so we'll be talking about a really bitchin' Akuma product today. And uh, something's going on over here. Okay. So we're going to talk about a little Akuma product, but today we're going to talk about passion of fishing and how I got this passion and how it lives inside me and how I was able to, uh, what I was able to do with this passion. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the Sakuma product. And we're going to get going here now. I think we got enough people. So, gang, this little Tesoro 5, I'm telling you, when I touch, when I fish with this thing, it brings me right back to my roots, right back to where it all started back in the, in the 60s when I started fishing with my pops off the San Clemente Pier. This is about as basic as it gets. This Tesoro series reel with the star drag. The bearing control that we grew up with, it used to be on this side of the reel, but now it's right here on the inside the handle. It's the same bearing. It does the same thing. It allows the tension to be stronger or softer. For those of you that aren't real adept at casting, this helps tremendously because this bearing right here on the end adjusts how easy the spool spins. And if you hit it just right, that spool will spin for a very, very long time. And those of you that know how to cast a conventional, we love that about these. Then the biggest thing that I love the most is the star drag. I don't have time to deal with the lever drag. And to, I don't test the pounds and how many pounds of drag I've got and what where I'm going to put the little lever on these small reels. When we get into black and blue marlin fishing for millions of dollars, we'll play the, the drag setting per pound game. But really, man... These smaller reels, all you need is a star drag, and these things are epic. And this Tesoro 5, this is old school fishing. Those of you that are over 30 years old, you know what I'm talking about. 
You fished with reels just like this. They had different names back then, but the Akuma has gone right back to the basics. And this Tesoro does everything I could possibly ask it to do when I'm fishing. And I use it for calico bass. I use it for white sea bass. I use it for rockfish, small bluefin, yellowfin. This reel is super durable, almost indestructible. I treat my tackle horrible. You would, you would freak out if you saw how I treated it. But I have the luxury of fishing every day, so I don't have time to take it all apart, put it in a little velvet cloth bag and everything like that. So these reels stand up to the most the most horrible abuse possible. Plus, they they feel like old school. The star drag, the bearing control, all that is what we grew up doing. I don't need to read a book to figure out how to use this reel. So check out the Tesoro 5 by Akuma. And when I was sitting thinking about this reel, it brought me back to, you know what? We're going to talk about my passion today and we're going to get deep into it. And we're going to start where it all started. Anybody that knows me very well, you know who my father is. Those of you that do not know who my father is that are listening on podcasts, Spotify, Apple, or any of the social media platforms that we're on. If you have, if you don't know who my father is or was, excuse me, was, we lost him in January. My father was a uh, was one of the dons of sport fishing in Southern California. He was one of the last guys that knew the old days, the old days, the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, sport fishing in Southern California and what a phenomenal industry it was. My dad got lucky enough to start his career working off the end of the San Clemente Pier in 1947, carting fish off the end of the San Clemente Pier for 25 cents a wagon load. Those of you that live in San Clemente, you might not understand the largest business in San Clemente at the time was on the end of the San Clemente Pier. And my father had opportunity to be a deckhand on those boats off the San Clemente Pier. But Nelson Cook, old timer from the San Clemente Pier days, was nice enough to hire my father to come out and be a deckhand on the boats. This is how far back this passion goes. My father was lucky enough in 1961 to become part owner of San Clemente Sport Fishing off the end of the San Clemente Pier in 1962. He found a partner and they bought the, the rest of San Clemente Sport Fishing. So him and his one buddy owned San Clemente Sport Fishing by 1962. And that's a year I was born, 1962. So this brings me into my passion and what I'm talking about. I can still remember the day my father, my mother was putting my shoes on me while I was sitting on the counter at three years old because we were going to see dad, going to go out on the boat with dad. Didn't know anything about the boat, didn't know anything about it. I just knew that's where my father worked on the end of the San Clemente Pier. We were going to go see dad at work. He was running double half day back then, going out at 630 in the morning, getting back at 1130 and going back out at noon. And I was going to go fishing with my dad. Well, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I was going to see my dad at work in 1964. And I remember my mom putting my shoes and socks on. And we went back then, my mom and my dad were the only people allowed to drive on the end of the San Clemente Pier. They drove their cars. My mom drove the car out to the end of the pier. And then one of the deckhands or one of the people running the office, I can't tell you, it was three, but they took the car and drove it back out to the parking lot. And I remember my dad pulling up to the San Clemente Pier on the Sum Fun at the time. Yeah, the same Sum Fun we posted that picture of the other day. Pulling up to the Sum 
fund are pulling up to the end of the San Clemente Pier. And back then, the boats literally tied up on that south side of the pier. They came in, spun the boat around, had it pointed bow out into that swell. And then you ran down a ramp. And then they threw two or three passengers on at a time. Yeah, literally threw you because if you hesitated at all, you were going in the water. That could never work these days. We all know that. But back in those days, that's how the boats were loaded off the end of the pier. I remember it like it was yesterday because I don't know. A lot of us, are we looked up to our fathers as our heroes growing up. And I remember coming down there and seeing dad standing in the wheelhouse and at that time you could stand on the pier and you'd be at best if the tide was high you would be looking into the wheelhouse of the sun fun at high tide and it just happened to be i remember it like i said like it was yesterday looking at my dad in the wheelhouse never seen him on a boat before i'm three years old i just knew he went to work every day and when he came home his belt was super salty with fish scales on it i didn't understand any of that at the time I just knew that was what my dad did for a living. I got to go out on the boat that day fishing, and that's when the spark was born. That's when the passion became real. That's when I ate this whole thing full speed. I couldn't have got any deeper into it than I am today. I just got done going up and seeing my granddaughter be born, and I got to go fly fishing. I don't care where I go. I'm gonna If I can piss a puddle, I'm going to fish in it. I love to fish. It's my zen. It gets me in. And out of my head and into the into my zen. My wife, she loves to fish. Thank God. we get That makes us get along much better. But I'm going to go back again to what I'm talking about. So in 64 was the very first time I got to go out on the boats with my dad. And then I remember when I was 7, 8, 9, 10, my dad used to tell me at night, hey, you're going to come to work with me in the morning. And I would be so excited. And I think it was the way they get at me to go to sleep early. So, you know, that you could do parent stuff when your kid went to sleep. But I remember once in a while I would get to go. So that would keep the dream alive. But I remember the mornings. Now think about this, your child, any kid under 30, getting up at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work with their father. Think of that. I would be so bummed if I my eyes opened and it was light out. I would cry. I lay in my bed and cry because I knew that I didn't get to go that day with my dad out on the boat. I knew that I didn't get to go. And I know the crews and the other captains and stuff were stoked on those days. They didn't have to take care of little snot nosed brat captain Don's son, David. But I was literally super bummed out because if it was light out, when my eyes opened, I knew I was bummed. I was, I was out. I didn't get to go fishing. And I would ride the bus down to the pier just to go out on the end of the pier to watch the boats come in and see my dad and try to figure out why I didn't get to go that day. What did I do wrong? How come I didn't get to go to work with you out, out on the end of the pier? Those of you that are my age or older, you remember the pier. Bob and Brent out on the end of the pier, they had this giant 55-gallon can full of bird seed. And you could feed the pigeons on the pier. Those were like, that was it for me. And then drop line, a little green Dacron drop line. The little spool that it went on was wood. And you got a, you got a silver sinker and five hooks in a line like your Sabiki today. But this was a silver hooks. 
if you're really, really good, you got the ones with the yarn on them, the yellow and the red yarn. But most of the time, I just had the little silver hooks and a silver sinker with a treble hook on it. And we would dangle that down. You'd unwrap it all so that the line would hit the water at the pier. And you would jiggle it up and down for hours and hours. That was it. We were fishing and it was insane. Like that video I posted uh, two weeks ago when I showed the young men fishing on the dock down here in Cabo with the drop line. That's what we call it, a drop line. Because you had to drop it over the side of the pier and go all the way down. I would stand there at the end and jiggle that thing all day just to catch a mackerel. And then if we'd catch a mackerel, then we'd bring it up on the pier. Cut. We'd get one of the older guys on the pier to cut it up for us. And we'd put the little pieces of mackerel meat on the hooks and drop. And then now you're big time. Now you got bait and you're fishing. And uh, I remember I caught like a, I thought it was the biggest fish in the ocean, but I caught like a seven or eight pound sheephead. I'm not sure. I want to say eight. But uh, I remember I caught that sheephead on that drop line. And I remember how hard it was to, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, how hard it was to pull it up. And then one of the older gentlemen on the pier dropped a hoop net down. Back then, that's how they got the fish up on the, no one thought of for lobster. But he dropped that thing down the water and had me swing my sheephead into it. And he pulled the rope up and I got my fish. And then in 1971, my father took over Dana Point operation and moved San Clemente Sport Fishing to Dana Point Harbor when they completed the harbor in Dana Point, 1971. We were the very first business in the harbor. We were the largest business in the harbor. And we're still in the harbor today. And we employ, I'm pretty sure, more than anybody else in the harbor. We have quite a big sport fishing operation at Dana Wharf Sport Fishing. My sister and my brother run it. We, as I said before, we lost my father in January. But gang, when we moved to Dana Point Harbor in 1974 or 75, that's when I got to start really hanging out and working as in the office. We, had, we rented, back in those days, we rented hundreds of fishing poles a day. Fishing was absolutely insane. And all the boats were running full all the time. And we rented a phenomenal amount of fishing poles and my very first job working for the family was working in the in the rental rod part where you every day you had to clean all the rental rods. And back then we had anchovies for bait. So the scales were unbelievable. But you had to get all the scales off all the fishing poles. You had to run the line out so that you wound it back onto the real straight. We had a machine. You put put the line in the machine, step on the button. It would take the line off the reel. Sometimes we pretend like we were hooked up to a big fish or whatever. But I remember that was how it first started for me, working for the family at Dana Wharf Sport Fishing, cleaning the rent rods every day. And boy, the after the rent rods from uh, the morning trips to go back out for the afternoon trips, there was time where there wasn't enough rental fishing poles and it'd be a mad scramble at the office to get all the rods and reels ready to go. And then... 1975, there was a little charter boat in the harbor called the Cypolaurus. And uh, I was working in the office early in the morning selling tickets. We'd get down there at four o'clock in the morning. And I was on the rental rod side in the morning. And I got to fill out the rental rod card and get the person's 
get their, I think back then it was $2.50 to rent the pole. And then they left their driver's license with us. And we pinned it onto a piece of paper and we put it alphabetical order in a filing box. That's how it was back in those days. There were no computers. And uh, one morning, one of the deckhands for the Cypolaris didn't show up. And the guy that owned the Cypolaris, Oscar, asked my dad if I could get out of the office and work on the boat. And I got to go be a deckhand. 14 and a half, 14 years old, deckhand all by myself on this boat. Never. Yeah, I fished a lot as a kid, a lot. But I had never been in charge of nothing. Got to take all those fish off. My hands were all cut up. Back then we would catch, if you had 20 people, you'd catch 200 sand bass, a couple hundred barracuda, 100, 100 bonita, maybe a couple of yellowtail. And then I, here are all these fish are, and here's this 14 year old kid that doesn't know anything. And then what do you do on the way in? You got to fillet the fish, right? Oscar was an old man back then. He wasn't coming down to flay the fish. I remember him sitting up there watching with his feet up on his dash, shirt off, looking back at me without a clue how to cut a fish. Now, I know that most of you on TikTok and Instagram still think I don't know how to fillet a fish. That's fine. I can handle it. But uh, I'll tell you, when I was 14 in 1974, I did not know how to fillet a fish for nothing. And it must have been one of the funniest things that old Oscar had ever seen in his life, watching me back there struggling through that giant mess of fish. And that was it. 74, that's when I started working on the boats and I never looked back. That's all I've ever wanted to do was be on the boats. Once I went with my father in 64 and saw how what it was all about, that's all I ever wanted to do is work on boats. And still here I am, 60, almost 61 years old, and I'm working on boats. And it is the best thing in the world. It's the most satisfying thing for me. It's my passion. And like I was saying, I just had a granddaughter. First thing I wanted to do once I found out she was healthy and clean and good, I wanted to go fly fish because I was up in Tahoe and I hadn't fly fished in a long time. I'm into fishing. I love fishing. I've got the bug. I'm into it. But you got to have to be into it like I am. It's super important to have the passion. If you're bugged by other people talking to you, you can't do the, what I do for a living. You can't. It'll eat you alive. You won't be happy. You won't have the passion. I love people. I love to have them all up in the wheelhouse with me when I'm out there. I want them to all see what's going on. I want them to experience everything. I want them to know why I'm failing or why I'm winning today. And remember, whenever I'm not catching fish, it has nothing to do with me. It's because the sun's too bright, the moon's too full, the tide's too high, the tide's too low. There was an earthquake. There was no earthquake. It's too sunny, it's too foggy, it's too wet, it's too dry. Whatever it is, it's never my fault. But when the fish are biting, I take 100% credit. I know it's all because of what I do. It's all because of me. That's one of the good things about being a captain is you're always right, no matter what, because you are the captain. But that's just, I'm just being funny. But back to what we were talking about, the passion gang, it's super important. For anybody out here listening right now, I don't know if you are, if you're not, but um, if you can figure out what, what your passion is, just, I don't know, 
Maybe you don't have one yet. You need a passion, though, to make it in this world. You got to have some type of passion. You got to have some way to click off and click out and go out and do something that just does it for you. That's fishing for me. You have to find it. You're driving in your car, listening to me right now or whatever. I'm just trying to help you. I don't care. You don't owe me nothing. I don't owe you nothing. I'm just telling you. It makes life so much more enjoyable if you have that passion. And then you could figure out how to do it for a living. I'll tell you, the last 32 years since I quit drinking, I understand how lucky I am to have grown up in this world that I grew up in with the father that I grew up in, the family I grew up in. And I tell you, I appreciate every single second of every single day. And that's why I built that great website, yoursaltwaterguide.com, is because I want you all to have the same passion that I have. Gang, I'm giving you over there on the website, and I'm sorry, we have to go back to that, but I'm giving you all this passion that you're hearing from me. I give it all to all my clients. All you have to do is follow the simple game plan week in and week out. You'll do just fine, and you can start to tweak it, start to understand why this is happening. Why am I catching fish consistently following Dave's plan? What was different today? What was right? What was wrong? Start to learn how to read the conditions. Start to learn how to read. I was very blessed. In my younger days, I got to work for some phenomenal fishermen. Not great humans, but great fishermen. And they taught me a lot about fishing. Didn't teach me much about life, but they taught me a lot about fishing. There's only a couple of them that taught me anything about life. And they're still very close personal friends of mine today. But as far as the fishing goes, I grew up with some phenomenal fishermen in my life. And it made me learn my craft because nowadays you can't get away with it. But back in the day when I was growing up as a deckhand on the boats, we got yelled at all the time. And that's how you learn. You got yelled at. And if you didn't want to get yelled at anymore, you quit doing dumb stuff. You quit doing the stupid stuff that made the fish stop biting or made the fish not bite. All the different things. You learned how to chum by getting yelled at. You learned how to chum proper. You learned the bait management. You learned how to make bait last for days at a time when you're out for multiple day trips. All these things I learned from getting yelled at. And I know that anyone under the age of 30, they they don't take getting yelled at very kindly. They, they just don't get it. And that's why I believe most of them are still living with their mom and dad. Because they don't, they don't want to learn anything. They want to learn a skill. It's hard to learn a skill if you're not getting yelled at. I don't know. Maybe you can learn it. Maybe I'm wrong. But I can't understand. We can't raise our voice anymore because we're going to hurt your feelings. Man, you wouldn't even have believed what it was like growing up in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> feelings. No one even thought about feelings. No one ever even thought about. But it's amazing. All the cool things that are going on in the fishing industry right now with the blue fin and the yellow fin and the best Dorado fishing ever. People say the good old days, gang, it's never been like it is right now. It is absolutely spectacular. The Dorado fishing, marlin, blue fin, yellow fin, everything's still biting. We're at the middle of October. It's absolutely insane. Also, the lobster fishing, and we just had some rain. I don't know if you've watched my uh, How to Lobster Fish, but if you watch those, it's absolutely unbelievable how much they move when you start to get rain. They hate fresh water. So when we start to get rain, that's a good thing. This weekend's 
lobster report. We're going to talk about areas we haven't talked about because they're saying it's going to rain again Saturday. So that means there's going to be enough runoff that's going to actually make these lobsters crawl more than they've crawled in a very long time. We haven't had any measurable rain for a very long time. And that fresh water flushes them right out of their holes. So we got all kinds of cool stuff getting ready to happen here. This this weekend's going to be insane. But I thought it was important to get in here and talk a little bit about where my passion came from and how important this passion thing is. Because I read some other things from people talking. How do you go fishing when you go fishing every day? How do you go fishing on your day off? Well, my biggest question to all of you is why would you golf? That doesn't make any sense to me. That's ruining a great day of fishing. Now, I'll grab a couple of golf clubs and go out on the golf course, but I'm going right over to the pond, and I got some lures in my bag and a little fishing pole, and I might even have some live goldfish. But if, like I said in the beginning of this, if I could piss a puddle, I'm fishing in it. It's all about, it's all about my wife, my grandkid, my sons, and fishing. That's my world. That's what it's all about for me. I'm super excited. I get to go drive a boat from Loretto down to Cabo here this weekend. I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited about being home with my wife and my monkey. But I'm really bummed I left my granddaughter and my son up in Tahoe. But I'll see him again. But I'm telling you, gang, I'm just trying to share my passion with all of you. Whether you got it or you didn't, I hope you got it. Because that's where it comes from, straight from my heart. It was instilled through my father. Been doing this since 1974 to make money. I know a lot of you have been doing it way longer. I'm just telling you where I came from. My dad started in 47, and I know there's a lot of you out there that have been doing it longer than he has. But uh, look up look up the name Donald Hansen when you get a chance. You all know what a knucklehead I am. You watch me every day. You listen to me. Just go check out the man, Donald K. Hansen, and look at what he did to allow all of us to get to do our passion. He had a ton to do with fishing in Southern California and keeping it open and letting us fish for the things that we got to fish for and rock fish. If it wasn't for Pops, you wouldn't be catching these damn bluefin right now because if you don't remember, in 2014, bluefin was closed and my father flew all over the world to change that and make it so that we could catch two. It was closed. You weren't allowed any. Could you imagine the industry right now if there weren't any bluefin to be allowed to be caught? But don't believe me. Google the man's name and go look. Donald K. Hansen, check it out. A lot of people say we just started in the industry. You're probably absolutely right. We have not as much time as you do, but I'm just telling you, I have the passion and I probably have it more than you. Be kind to each other. Turn off the news. Watch what's going on around you. They're all lying. I will be here tomorrow. It's Ops and Fluorocarbon Thursday. We got a great show for you tomorrow, but I just wanted you all to understand who I am because now my audience is so gigantic that I I know there's people out there that had no idea. You can go watch me at uh, Inside Sport Fishing. We got two phenomenal interviews with Michael Folks. Get down and dirty, deep into my life. And I got... Two more really good ones with Phil Freeman, Freeman Adventures. So you can go look at those. We'll try to grab them and post them on the podcast on Apple Podcast and uh, Spotify so you can see them. But uh, that's what I got for you today. 
I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Have a great day. Be kind to each other. And we'll see you at noon tomorrow. Thanks. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.